Hi, I'm Stephen. And hi, I'm Charlotte. And welcome to Mirth and Magic, the RPG podcast. So this is our inaugural episode. That's a very fancy word for first. We are going to be a a podcast which focuses uh, on RPGs. We are going to talk about a different game every episode, and maybe we'll have some episodes about themes of RPGs too. We are both uh, avid RPG players for many years. Uh, we like all sorts of RPGs. We like JRPGs, we like Western RPGs, everything you can imagine. And this episode, we're going to be uh, starting with Final Fantasy VII Remake. But as it's the first episode or the inaugural one, Charlotte, why don't you tell us about yourself? Oh, this, oh, I didn't plan this. Um, <laughs> so I've played RPGs since I was about... I think I played my first one the year after Final Fantasy VIII came out, which I played with my mum. It was a, it was a good year. Also, I was, was that too, like the nine, the late nineties? I think it must have been. I must have been about six or seven, I think. Right. And I didn't play the games. So I was too rubbish at that point. But my mum played, and I was like moral support in the background. And I'm sure I was. Mum played Final Fantasy VIII. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> she played one she played eight with me and then i remember i bought seven after that and i was like look mum, another game and she was basically like no no thank you i'm done now you can play that one on your own <laughs> so the first console i ever played them on was the ps1 so i wasn't really in the nintendo era so mm-hmm. by the time i went back and played kind of older games from that era i was probably in my 20s so i'm very much a playstation girl yeah, and for me, I'm Steve, and I'm 35 years old, and I've been playing RPGs uh, from a little bit earlier than that, maybe 90, 98, I want to say. My first ever one was, I mean, technically speaking, it was Zelda on the Game Boy back in the early 90s, but we don't count that. We count Final <laughs> Fantasy VII, which somebody at school lent me because they didn't like it. And I played it to death before I gave it back to them. And then I bought my own copy. And that just opened the floodgates. I bought Final Fantasy VIII. I bought Final Fantasy IX. I started playing American titles. I started using emulators to play old SNES games, in which I played the old Final Fantasies at that point. And like Charlotte, I also am heavily a PlayStation user still to this day, although I have made a switch over to PC gaming uh, as well. And I've played a, a lot of RPGs and wasted many hours of my life on on menus and and numbers and figuring out how to junction things in Final Fantasy VIII. That's been the majority of my life so far. I've played Final Fantasy VIII so many times that junctioning is like a second personality trait <laughs> for me now. I, I see it in my sleep. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I'm going to talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake. This game came out in April 2020 for the PS4, and it was released again for the PS5 on June the 10th, 2021. Charlotte, what is your history with the game? So I remember hearing about this coming out when they did that massive E3 conference 
and it was huge news. And then we had to wait like another two years or something for it to come out. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the ones who pre-ordered it and then got it early when they accidentally released it like two weeks earlier in certain parts of the UK. Oh, so, did you? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I think it was certain parts of the UK and it might have been America where it got released up to like two weeks early. And Square oh, Enix wow. were putting out all these publicity things going, don't tell anyone what happens. So did you get like in the post and not at a shop, right? You yeah, it, like, no, it online. just turned up in the post like two weeks pre-release date. Oh, wow. <laughs> great. And uh, were you excited for it when you when you heard about it? I was. I mean, Seven wasn't, well, it has never been my favourite one. I ended up playing it mm-hmm. after I played seven, uh, 8, 9 and 10. But still, I still really like it, so I'm very excited. Yeah, I um I resisted buying it for a couple of weeks. I don't know why. Um, I ended up getting it on Amazon because it was they had some kind of odd sale for it very soon after it was released, and it was down to like twenty five pounds. So I just snatched it up. Um, yeah, I remember being very angered that you wouldn't buy it, and I did not <laughs> understand. I don't remember why. Um, I think I was playing something else. I don't remember. Yeah, so I ended up I ended up buying it and um I played the whole thing through in about two and a half weeks. Um yeah, I thought it was generally a very good game. I enjoyed it immensely, but we'll get into uh that later. Was it everything you expected it to be when um after watching the trailers when you actually played it? It was. I mean, I played the little demo that had come out a while before that of just, you know, the reactor. So I knew a bit about kind of roughly how it would play. And obviously the kind of vague storyline, you always knew it was just going to be up to the end of leaving Midgar. So it was what I expected. There were certain bits that were surprising to me. Generally, Mm -hmm. I'd say it was slightly better than I was expecting it to be. I was very Mm -hmm. concerned when I heard they were remaking about what they might do to it. Mm -hmm. But generally, actually, I was really happy with what they did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was too. Um, I even liked the battle system, which was totally different to how it was in the original game. And I'm a huge fan of the original game. Um, I've, yeah. you know, I've, I've played that through several times, uh, but I, I got used to it. I'm still always a, a turn-based boy at heart, but it, it was a fun battle system. Yeah, I must admit, I, as soon as I hear a game, like a modern game is coming out that has a turn-based system, I get really excited. So part of mm. me was just hoping it would basically be the original Final Fantasy VII, but prettier. That's pretty much all I really wanted. Yeah, yeah. The new system, it, it does work really well and it fits in with the game itself. And it, is, mm-hmm. it still has those elements of turn-based. So it does, yeah, it, yeah. You can yeah. You switch between characters and stuff, can't you, in battle? And yeah, there, there are some things that hint to it, but it's very much it's an action RPG. Yeah, yeah. So the plot, we'll talk about the story. So spoiler below, if you haven't played yet, you might want to skip this section, but I don't know why you've listened to this if you hadn't played it. So it's largely it largely follows the same story beats as the original game, for the most part. There are some changes which are positive, in my opinion, and there are others which are not so positive, also in my opinion. And what do you think? Do you agree with that? Or Yeah, like you said, the plot as a whole, is very, very similar to the original. You go to the same places, mostly. The same things happen. You meet mostly the same characters. But then a certain bits of the plot are really elaborated on. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that makes it feel richer. But there's also various bits of the game where I feel like it was padded and I could have done without it. Are you talking about the factory and that kind of thing? Sort of. Certain bits, 
I was just thinking, can we just get back to the storyline now? I don't care about these random NPCs <laughs> that I've now spent five hours helping. Like, just yeah, I wish it had been a bit more focused on. I don't mind loads of extra padding and plot and sideline like side quests that revolve around interesting, important characters. When they're completely random NPCs on the street, I do find it hard to get invested. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed finding the missing castle, have you know? Oh, I'm not at all surprised. I'm sure you spent hours <laughs> playing that one bit. At the very end, when you can go back to chapter select, I'm sure we were the only person who selected <laughs> that chapter to redo. Well, jumping ahead, I was very relieved to see at the end that uh, Wedge made it back to the cats. <laughs> Didn't they think it crushed by rubble, though? No. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> He's like carrying the cats and then loads of rubble falls on them and they get squashed. Excuse me, don't say squashed. That is a horrible <laughs> word to say about cats. Um, like <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to have to go replay this, I think. Um, I think you are. I, I think we, one of us is misremembering and my version <laughs> is more than yours. So yeah, okay. um, the story does follow the similar beats um, and they have a lot of the same locations. They have a lot of the same characters, but they also, like you said, padded it out with other characters and new locations and then modernized it somewhat too. So there are areas which were greatly expanded upon uh, from the original game, which needed to be, or as it would have felt very short. But the end of the game seems to imply that Fate's been defeated and you no longer have to follow the, the destiny that is set out for you, which to me implies that they're going to entirely change the story as we go along. What do you think? I agree. Like It ends where things says like the unknown journey will continue. And that's the thing that makes me most wary because I thought like the original kind of theme of Final Fantasy VII was kind of grief and managing and kind of moving on with things and kind of moving on past what's holding you back. And mm-hmm. if they now change it and now everything is well, and everything's great <laughs> and essentially Aerith survives I feel is where they're kind of pushing with it I feel like it's going to really take away from what made the original game memorable and really good yeah I definitely think the biggest thing that's going to be different about this game going forward is Aerith surviving the game I think she's going to be she's either going to survive till the end or she's going to or someone else will die in her place maybe or um, maybe she'll die in a different way, who knows? But I don't think she will die in the same way, if at all, as she did in the original game. And of course, the fact that Zach, in some alternate timeline, seems to have survived. And I, I don't even know how that's going to play into it at all. Yeah, I always found the Zach thing a little bit confusing and hard to follow, but I think I get it. But they want to bring him to the forefront. They want to bring him to the front, don't they? They want him to be a, a main character, it seems. It seems to be, but he's got to be in a different timeline. For our yeah. characters, because at the end of the game, A, he's carrying an unconscious cloud, so he can't mm-hmm. be in the same timeline. And Zach in that has a buster sword. And Cloud also has a buster sword, which would mean they, they can't be in the same universe as each other. They have to be. Yeah, in the because ones. it's Zach's sword, isn't it, originally? Yeah. And that if that means that at some point they're gonna go down some kind of and the universes merge <laughs> kind of nonsense, then you're losing me a bit. It's it's getting a bit too magic-y for my it's do- liking. It's very Doctor Who, I think it is. Like, very, like, it is very tiny Doctor whiny. Who. And, and I like Doctor Who, but I don't need Final Fantasy VII to be <laughs> Doctor Who. I'm happy with them being separate entities. Doctor Hojo, the Final Fantasy Yeah, I, 
I don't need this game to go Kingdom Hearts on me. It's not <laughs> oh God, don't say that. That's how it feels. The <laughs> ending, I was like, Christ, this is this is where we're going with this. <laughs> so some of the major themes in the uh, in the plot. What did you have any thoughts on that? Did you pick up on any major themes? Themes of the game. Of the story. So I personally think loss is a theme in the game. We have Cloud who has sort of lost who he is in a way and Aerith kind of brings him back to himself and there's a, you know, a sector falls down and kills so many people and there's a huge loss felt then. And did you feel any anything like that? Any kind of themes in the game? Sort of. I felt like guilt was quite a large one. Because there was a lot more of emphasis in this game in the original of how Avalanche did in fact kill people. Yeah. How they kind of justify it in their own head. And then even when Shinra dropped the plate, like they're still blaming themselves that they still in a way caused it. And then what you kind of do with that. Yeah. Like, like Jesse deals with it by trying to get a different type of explosive so that it's not such a big explosion next time, but they're still happy to do it again, even after killing all those people. So yeah, they accept that casualties are required for what they want to do, right? Yeah. So let's move on to characters. Now, um, this is probably my favourite part because, well, we don't meet all the characters in the game because obviously it's uh, an anthology of sorts, so there's going to be different parts to this story, but we do meet some of the main cast. So we did meet Cloud Strife, we met Barrett Wallace, Tifa Lockhart, Aerith Gainsborough, uh, Red Thirteen. And if you have played the most recent Integrate update, then also uh, Yuffie Kisaragi. Uh, Antagonist-wise, we met Sephiroth, we met Rufus, we met Hojo. Did we meet Genova? You fight Genova. You do, don't you? Sorry, yeah. I forgot. Got that disclosed <laughs> jelly skeleton face, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you meet several Avalanche characters too. You meet uh, Jesse, you meet Biggs and Wedge. And then there are a bunch of new characters, uh, minor characters that they added, which we'll get to later. Going back to the main party characters, let's talk about each one of them briefly. So Cloud, how did you feel about him in this game versus the original? I thought they were very different characters, actually. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I don't know if you agree with this, but I feel like the the remakes version of Cloud is kind of how people seem to remember the character of Cloud being, but it's actually not what he was like at the beginning of the game at all. At the beginning of the original FF7, he was actually quite like sarcastic and like quite bold and making fun of people because he had the whole point was he was meant to have Zach's personality. He wasn't this like sulky, quiet character at all at the start of FF7. He was the complete opposite. It's only later in the game when he becomes that person. So I almost feel like the FF7 remake is almost Cloud in reverse where he starts off quite unhappy and quiet and then gets happier and more friendly whereas in actual ff7 he starts off sarcastic and mocking and bold and then gets more uncertain of himself as he starts to realize he's struggling with who he is so i felt like that was a bit odd for me but yeah, that's interesting but, yeah but as a character i did still really like him i mean the way he interacted with the other characters and the way he was voice acted i did think he was really good but just still a very different character to the original one. Uh, I don't like him. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, I think he's um, not a very nice person. I think he's actually really rude. And I know this is going to be part of his character and probably going to soften him up as time goes along and gets to know people. 
But he, like you said, he uh, has a character. He has a personality that he gets much later on in the original game, right at the start of the game. And it rubs me up the wrong way. I just, I just, I never talk to him. I don't think he's an interesting protagonist at all. I think there are better ones in the Final Fantasy series. Um, he's iconic looking, like he's got that cool hair and the cool sword. And I mean, thankfully they've changed him out of his purple jumpsuit and put him into his uh, Advent Children outfit with the, uh, the the black leather thing, which is very nice. I think it's kind of a cross between the two. It's not quite black. It's like a dark mauvey grey colour. Yeah, I don't know. I might just be choosing to misremember it. <laughs> now on to Barrett. I like Barrett in the game, but it took me a couple of years to actually appreciate him in the original game. When I first started playing the game, I was uh, very young. I was 13, 14. Um, and I never really talked to Barrett or any of the boys. I always played with other characters, mostly the um, the women and Red 13. As time went on, though, I got to appreciate Barrett a bit more and understood his storyline a bit better and his, his problems, and I made him part of my regular party. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, i actually with you that when I first played FF7 when I was, I think I must have been kind of 11 or 12, I really didn't like him. And I think it's because he's a very adult character. Like he's an adult mm-hmm. compared to the rest of the characters. He's a, he, you know, he's got a daughter. He's got a whole family backstory. And as a 12 year old girl, I just didn't associate with him mm-hmm. at all. So again, he was just not one of the ones that I really played with, but like you, I actually do really like him now. And I find him preferable over a lot of the ones I used to like <laughs> Vincent. <laughs> and I I don't know why they gave him those sunglasses. I I don't know. They whoever just made that decision should be burnt because they're terrible. And the <laughs> fact that when you leave, they finally leave Midgar in the sun, he takes them off, enrages me hugely. <laughs> but I did think that the scenes of him and Marlene were really, really good throughout this game. And they did oh, make yeah. him a very likable person because I think all those scenes were voice acted really well and it's hard to mm-hmm. get scenes with kids to actually feel emotional but mm-hmm. i think it's been really good marlene too she's one that's been expanded quite a lot in this game isn't she she seems like a much bigger character than uh, she was in the original game which was very much a side character she has way more lines in this one and possibly even a hint that she has more to come yeah with the whole Aerith scene yeah mm-hmm. but um, i don't think the original the only thing she does is Get scared of you. I mean, there's one point where she's there, so like mixing drinks behind the bar. She's just like <laughs> a tiny infant. That's what you get for living in a pub growing up. I mean, I my grandmother used to own a pub, and I was also behind the bar doing drinks as well. It's just a a pub child thing. Ah, uh, is this why you associate Marlene so much? <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, just like you and Sue. <laughs> Don't you bring Sue into this? That's a whole other issue. <laughs> So Tifa, uh, for me, I never, ever, ever used Tifa in the original game. I didn't not, I didn't dislike her. I just didn't really take to her. I much preferred Aerith. In this game, though, I really like Tifa. I like uh, her new design. It looks great. Um, I think that she is uh, really friendly and approachable, and she's uh, a really realistic person. She is uh, very capable as well. I just get a better vibe off her than I did for the original game. Mm. I can't really remember what I originally thought of Tifa. When I first played it, 
unfortunately, I already knew what happened to Aerith later in the game. So it was Aerith mm. that I never really included in my party. Mm-hmm. And as the alternative to that, I included Tifa because I was like, I need to have Cloud to have one of his women with him at all times. <laughs> and I always had Tifa in the party. But I don't remember ever having a strong opinion on her. I think I just thought she was okay. But mm-hmm. in this game, I really like her. And I actually prefer her to Aerith in the remake because she just feels like a very real character. Mm-hmm. And a lot of her scenes, like when she's really upset when the plate falls, I, I just find her, yeah, enjoyable to watch her interact with other people. Whereas yeah, I Aerith, agree. to me, can feel a little bit... We'll go into it when we talk about Aerith, but there's a lot of scenes where Aerith, I just kind of think, this isn't how a real person would. <laughs> well, let's do because that I then. Let's got... talk about yeah. Aerith. Go on. <laughs> no, with Aerith, she can at certain times go a little bit manic pixie mm-hmm. for my liking. There's certain scenes, like when you go through the rooftops with her, which is a lovely scene and really nice just watching her interact with Cloud. Overall, she definitely feels like a very real person. And there's certain scenes with her that are really good. It's definitely going to suck if she does die now, because I, I don't want her to. I do think she's a very nice, realistic character. And her voice actress is great. Yeah, she is. I Eris has always been my favourite uh, in this. Um, she's a joint favourite in the remake with Tifa. Uh, but in the original, she's definitely my favorite. In the original game, when I was younger, I always I played it like I mean, I played it. I played through the game in my life, the original one, like six, seven times maybe. Um, and I always level up. Um, Aerith's level four limit break. <laughs> it's a total waste of time, but I always do it because um, yeah, I, I always have you not. <laughs> no. It makes that um, temple fight really easy. You know the one where you're fighting against the big wall. Oh, like the final one with her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because her level four limit break casts invincibility on everybody for for ages. Anyone that's dead, it revives them. Uh, anyone on low HP, it uh, heals them back up again. It restores MP and gives invincibility for uh, like six turns. It's great. Nice. Really good for those eight minutes you have her <laughs> and can use it. <laughs> but uh, I agree sometimes she can come across as a bit... Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I really like her um, her new look they've given her in this game. Uh, she looks fantastic. The outfit she wears is great. It's uh, it's not identical to what she wore uh, in the original game, I don't think, uh, but it looks really good. And I'm interested to see where they take her with the story because, like we said earlier, we don't think she's going to die. So what's going to happen with her and what's how's that going to affect the story? And her powers, which, in case you didn't know, she is an ancient. And she's uh, she's got these sort of cognitive powers that let her interact with the live stream and talk to the planet. So I wonder if, the, if she's going to stay alive, how is that going to play out with the new story? Yeah, I don't, I'm, this is why I wonder if maybe like the Zack having an alternate <sighs> timeline is going to come into it, whether she's going to somehow end up in that one with him. So she won't be with our party anymore at the end of the game, but she also won't technically be dead. Mm-mm. I don't right. know. That's a good one. Good. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly, I'm not sure. I feel like if they just have her survive and that just be it, that feels a bit too simple. Mm-hmm. I feel like they've got to do something with her. Or, or the game is just not going to have that hit that it used to have. Like something's mm-hmm. going to have to happen that's bad in this game. It can't all just be happy 
skipping around everyone's friends and that's it. Like something bad's got to happen. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine them killing like Tifa or Cloud. I'm very sure they'll survive to the end. Mm, I can't imagine killing Tifa either, but it would be a massive shock. I don't actually, I don't think it would be a very good shock. I think the fans would be outraged if that's they killed the off Tifa or Barrett. Yeah, that's the thing. Like there's being surprising and then there's angering millions of people worldwide. <laughs> like, that's what would happen if they did that. So Red 13, we only meet briefly at the end, towards the end of the game, and we don't really get to interact with him very much. But he was my second favourite character in the original game. And again, I'm interested to see whether they take him with the, the go with him in the game, because I assume that they're going to put him as a proper party member in the in the next instalment. And we're going to go back to Cosmo Canyon and we're going to talk to Bugenhagen. And mm. I just want to see how that plays out in the new game, because I'm really curious how it's going to how it how it's going to how they're going to show it yeah i'm really that's one of my favorite areas and scenes from the original ff7 is his little storyline with his dad and everything and cross mm-hmm. canyon so i found that i don't know why but i found that particularly sad so i'm hoping they don't just really dilute his character and he becomes really just on the side like i want him to be playable and i want him to have his proper storylines so i'm hoping they do include him at the moment it's a bit hard to really comment on him as a character because he really doesn't have that much in the remake currently. He's got a few lines of dialogue, but not loads. Yeah. I always thought it was really odd that they um, continue to call him Red 13, even after you leave Hojo's lab. And if he tells them his real name, it's like, oh, okay, Red 13. I know. It's like, we're going to stick with your lab name. <laughs> but that makes you feel good. Um, so we also very briefly get to see Cat Sheaf in the form of Reeve. And we see the doll too, don't we? We do. I'm going to carry on calling him Kate Sif, because that's okay. what I've called him since <laughs> I was 11. So I have too, but now I live in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Kate Sif, say how it's spelled. Um, so yeah, um, Reeve is a Shimmer employee who is on the board of directors. And uh, they keep showing him a disillusioned with the the way that Shimra is being managed in this game, which didn't really do in the first game. They did a little bit of it, but it's way more obvious here. And it's clear that um, they're trying to set it up as a bigger plot point for him um, adopting the persona of Kashif when when Kashif finally does join the party later uh, in uh, The Golden Saucer. And again, I'm very interested to see how they show Kashif in this game <laughs> because... The giant Moogle with a cat on top of it is not going to fly, I don't think. I think they might have to do with what they did to Amid Children, which is have um, the cat doll sat on top of Red 13. I hate Kate Sith. <laughs> I hate him. He should just be called garbage in every language. He's a blight, is what he is. He he turns up. He looks ridiculous. He's not useful. Apart from having a load of HP, I think that was his only like, good battle thing almost instantly betrays the party. He kidnapped Marlene and Aerith's mum and then went, well, I'm going to stay and blackmail you with it. And I was like, oh, good, welcome to the party. So glad you're here. I mean, no, when, no one ever mentioned it again. Yeah, do you remember when they went to the temple and he sacrificed himself? Like, I'll show you guys I can be a good guy. And then he, he dies in when the temple shrinks into materia. And then he's yeah. like, oh, hey, I'm the new Kate Safe. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, my favourite bit of that is he, like, comes back and I was like, guys, I didn't die, and no one even responds. <laughs> they just carry on with their original conversation. <laughs> even the game doesn't like him. 
I guess there is a reason for it because, like Reeve in the original game, um, he uh, he was disillusioned with Shinra and it did show it occasionally. But the whole point of having Cat Chief was to infiltrate Avalanche and sabotage them, right, and get the yeah. Keystone thing that they on what it's called now uh, in uh, the Gold Saucer. But they put way more emphasis in the remake on him uh, being disagreeing with Shimmer's decisions. So I'm wondering if he's going to join for other reasons now um, and we give them access to Shimmer information or something. I hope they do because his character needs a major revamp to be <laughs> even slightly likable. Yeah. I think the cat is Kate Sif, right? And the Moogle is just what you used to ride around on. I think so. Either way, I wish they'd both just burn to the ground. So, <laughs> um, so we also meet Sephiroth in this game, although he is um, not really a major villain compared to his original iteration. Do you think? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you sound so questioning now. He's not. I mean, he's he's present in the game and he's antagonizing Cloud, sure, but he's not. Um, he, you don't fight him at the uh No, do you fight him in the game? Kind of. Yeah, you do at the end. Yeah, but he's... But the final boss isn't him, it's fate, right? And him. All right, I'll have to play this again, clearly. You fight him too, and he stabs <laughs> Barrett to the chest. Oh, right. Yes, I remember. Yeah. What did you What did you think of him in this I, game? I think he was overused. Like in the original, I'm going to keep having to keep referencing the original game, but Sephiroth wasn't, they kept him so mysterious at the start of the original game. And occasionally you'd like, you'd see like examples of how powerful he was. Like he'd managed to kill the president. He'd killed that big serpent. So he was this, this character that you were meant to be in awe of, even without seeing mm-hmm. him. And it really built him up. Whereas this game instantly went straight in with, look at all these scenes of him turning up and being spooky. And then you fight him at the end. And I was like, I really liked how they did him in the original game where they really built him up. And then eventually it turns out that you're not even seeing him. It's just Genova that you're seeing. And I think that mm-hmm. was handled really well. Whereas here, they went very much for like shock factor. And I think just wanting to include him. And I think they should have held back with him personally. Right. Do you think we'll see him again in the game? Oh, I think we're going to see way too much of him in the game. Yeah. He's going to see him <laughs> all the time. So other major characters in the remake um, include my personal remake character favourites who are not main party members, and that is Big Swedge and Jesse. I'm a big fan of uh, Wedge because he's very handsome. No. <laughs> Bigs. Bigs. I mean, I mean, everyone has their preferences, Steve. It's okay. If Wedge is your kind, then that's all right. No, Biggs, Biggs, Biggs. Yes, Biggs. Um, Wedge is really sweet, though. And I like I like Wedge a lot because of the whole cat thing. And um, Although I do think they use him as a fat joke a few too many times. Yeah. Um, Jessie, uh, I like her, but um, she is something. <laughs> she, um, yeah. I just think she's, um, she's really headstrong, but she's also really intelligent. And... That scene where you go to her parents' house to get her father's key card, right, and he's ill. That was a totally new scene for this game, and I really enjoyed that section. But Jessie herself, she's always flirting with Cloud, <laughs> like every possible opportunity. It, it, it just 
cracks me up. It, uh, I don't really... Uh, she wasn't like that in the original game. But then again, she doesn't last very long in the original game. She lasts way longer here and has a way bigger role, which I'm yeah. glad for. What did you think of the three of them? Um, I agree. I found the three of them collectively really, really sweet and the way that they were clearly... Like, they displayed them as actually being friends. Because in the original, mm-hmm. they, they came across more as like just people who work together more so than actual friends hmm. whereas they were very close in this wedge i thought was very sweet i did like his thing with cats bigs they have made him so handsome why is he more handsome than cloud <laughs> like who who did this he's beautiful i'm not surprised they kept him alive just so we could keep looking at him in future installments he's great and again they all just had so much more character than before jesse i did like her I also really like the scene about her dad and like just explaining how she got involved in everything. But yeah, the cloud stuff was a bit, it was a bit too much. It was almost like her flirting with him was almost aggressive because there's so many active times where he's like, I want you to stop. And she's like, "Mm -hmm, I'm going (laughs) to carry on now. And why he's got the personality of a flannel. Why do all these women (laughs) want him? I don't, at least in the original game, like he was quite peppy. And had actually had personality for people to be interested in. Mm-hmm. He's he's nothing in this game. He's <laughs> literally he's nothing. And yet Jesse's obsessed. But um, I mean, though, even though I have issues with her, there's still like vast improvements on the original game. All three of them. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I'm glad to see they got a much more fleshed out role. Let's talk about your favorite character for a second, which you told me about before in private, Johnny. Ah <laughs> oh, yes. The true protagonist of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> I, was, I forget. I, I only realised recently that apparently he became like some weird fan favourite from the original game. I forget he's even in the original because I remember him being kind of outside the Honeybee Inn in the original. And that's I didn't realise you could meet him later in the game. But in the remake, he he's another one where he irritates me and I really didn't need him in it personally. He was another one who felt just like extra padding. He was comic relief for sure. I remember his sprite model from the first game. I remember it really well for some reason. Um, he, yeah, I don't know. It's a fun favorite. Um, I don't know why. He doesn't have much lines in the first game. But no. yeah, I mean, it's okay. He he brought some light relief to it, I suppose, in a way that wasn't sort of um, cringy. Well, I mean, it was a bit cringy, but it wasn't as bad as a fat joke. So they did for Wedge. So... Yeah, all in all, I'm I'm happy with the way the characters were portrayed. Uh, and for the 50th time, I'm saying I'm really interested in how they see it, how they go forward with them with this new storyline. So the world, I mean, this game is largely set in, well, okay, completely set in Midgar, right? But they have significantly expanded on Midgar. So you have the the slums at the bottom, which are underneath uh, a giant plate, which holds up the um, the main city. Uh, and you also have uh, Shimra headquarters, which is a major location in the game. They fleshed out uh, a lot of the slums and they fleshed out a lot of the uh, in-between parts as well. I love what they've done with this game. Uh, I think every, well, not every, most of the different sectors uh, in the slums have uh, a unique feel to them. So you've got like Wall Market, which by the way is, is great, even though the music gets re- grinds on me after a while because it just repeats all the time. Yeah, I and it's a shame because the original Wall Market music is great. It's so CD sounding. 
and catchy. And they play it only for like a very short moment in this game. I don't know why they don't just play that during the whole wall market section because it suits it so well. The one they included in the remakes, bland. I'm misremembering. I just remember something being repeated over and over and over and over again. That was a wall market one, right? I was about to try to hum it and then realised I don't want that on the podcast (laughs) because it would sound terrible. I'll try it anyway. So it kind of goes, do-do-do, It probably doesn't sound anything like that, but in my head it does. <laughs> Please edit that out. I did like the wall market in general. They really fleshed it out and they added these little um, areas to it, which were not in the original game and even new characters too, like, um, oh, what's the, the massage parlor lady called? Oh, Mad Mem. Yeah, she's great. Um, yeah, I like her a lot. And the Honeybee Inn is fantastic as well. That was a big talking point for people when the game was released. Like, how are they possibly going to portray the Honeybee Inn with uh, with modern graphics? Because uh, the the original game, the one had some hinted at explicit scenes, and um, it also had some ridiculous scenes with um, like a pylon of bodybuilders in a private room. <laughs> But they handled it pretty well. Um, they they included uh, what's the main guy called Andre? Is that his name? Oh yeah, Andrea. Yeah. Yeah, he he's great, um, and he uh, he has a comment about how gender can be fluid and that kind of thing, and that comes mm-hmm. into play later when Cloud has to don his um, his female clothing to get into Don Carnio's mansion. But yeah, going back to the wider uh, Midgar, I did I did really like the way that they um, portray Midgar in this game. Um, you know, you've got a very sort of uh, European city-looking place on the upper plate. So it reminds me of like Paris or maybe Spain. These tall um, Art Deco-ish buildings and streetlights and stuff. And then you go to the slums and it's basically like a shanty town in most of them with some uh, solid structures, uh, but mostly just um, what people can can put together. And I liked how they connected the world with the trains too, because people tend to, not all of them obviously, but a lot of people do work uh, on the plate and they get the train back down to the slums when, where they live. And I did like that sort of... Uh, joining the two together yeah i think they fleshed it out really well and it all flows very nicely if anything some of the like the shantiers i almost wish they were kind of grimier looking mm-hmm. and a bit more industrial because some of them look almost like kind of like sector seven especially looks almost like kind of like little beach houses that have sprung up and it doesn't actually look bad but the original one like it looked dirty in the remake it's all mm-hmm. it's all quite sunny and dusty I just remember mostly the scene in the children's park, which was actually in the remake too, right? With the Moogle slide and stuff and just how dark it was and the, the giant gate that opened out into the uh, into the main sector. Yeah. The other thing I wasn't so keen on was the very long linear corridors between each area. And I think the fact that monsters come out at scripted points makes it feel more like that. Like you don't run around and have random encounters. If you go back there to kind of, train later in the game you know exactly where those monsters are going to be and it makes it feel even more false because every time you walk there through it's exactly the same you know there's no variety mm. but I don't, I, mean, I don't mind the uh, uh the monster being on screen like that's in many rpgs uh even in the past with grandia and stuff but um do you do you prefer random battles generally 
I don't mind them being on screen. I think them being on screen combined with how linear it is make and the fact that there's no the monsters are always in the same place and it's always the same monsters. Mm-hmm. It just makes it feel a little bit repetitive when you go through this because you have to walk through these areas repeated times. And when, when you're like, oh, when I go around yeah. that corner, this monster's gonna be there because I've done this exact thing eight times already. It just makes it feel a bit a bit more bland. Like mm-hmm. even if they just mixed it up, like each time you went there, it was different monsters in each place. I think would just make it feel a bit more realistic. But I mean, that's quite a yeah. Point, I see your point. I mean, but I get that you can't really do much else about it. I mean, in the game, they you can take a chocobo uh, carriage between them if you're not like a warrior or something. Like most people are not in the game. But uh, that didn't feel very realistic. That's very gamey to have like these corridors of like battles, but you, you need it. I mean, I'm being overly critical. Yeah, um, especially in this game where you really, it is only the Midgar section. Yeah, and, like, exactly. Any other deviation where you would get to go off and do all sorts of random things, but then break up the pacing of the game where you're meant mm-hmm. to be on missions and things. So mm-hmm. I agree. I think it kind of has to be linear, but I think they've managed it in a way that it doesn't feel that linear. When you're in the middle no, of the it game. doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like Final Fantasy Thirteen, which is like go forward, turn left. Like you just had no choice. Oh, um, I hate that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> I like Thirteen, but yes, it's another podcast. Shut up, Steve. You're wrong. <laughs> um, one thing I really loved in the world was um, Seventh Heaven. It's fantastic. Uh, the only thing is, I really wish you could have seen downstairs. Yeah, I, I spent so long <laughs> clicking around that stupid machine trying to make it go down before I realised that I couldn't. Yeah, no, we're not allowed because we're a mercenary and we're not, we're not actually in Avalanche or whatever. We can't go down there. And like, if they just completely cut it out of the game, I'd be like, fair enough. But the other characters do go down I know. There. Why <laughs> I know. with it? But it's great. And I like the way they fleshed out the bar. Like, it looks like a proper bar. There are tables that there are customers in there as well. And Tifa is um, bar staff and she's serving you yeah. drinks and they serve oh. food. Oh my God, that links into the nichest criticism of this game, but something I hate and I'm going to have on. to just say. Tifa makes you two drinks in this game. She makes you two cocktails. Both times she pours a single liquid into the shaker, mixes it, then pours it into a cup. <laughs> That's not a cocktail. That's just I a drink shaken. Oh my God, you have to show me that. I'm going to have to look at it on the video. I'm going to put that on a video right now and look at it for myself. Oh, do it. And if, I think the second drink, but it's a different colour. She doesn't even re-pour it. She just reshakes it and pours it and it changes colour. This kaboon is not a barmaid. <laughs> Fills me with rage. What is, there's a, they serve food at Seventh Heaven, don't they? And there's a sign on the wall that says something and eggs. It's, yeah, it's like eggs and chips. Or eggs and chips, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is it eggs and chips? Oh, it chips and eggs. I remember it sounding really weird. Like you would not say something chips like, and eggs. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, have you never heard of a menu? Like, what if you want to change your menu? But you can't because you've got a big neon sign that advertises the only food that you sell. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Tiva can only make one thing. She's very sensitive about it. Eggs and chips, yeah, yeah. She can only make eggs and chips. And cocktails um, with one drink. One drink. <laughs> <laughs> There's also, they... um. Did they keep in that line? Do you remember in the original game, there was a mistranslation from Japanese to English and someone translated the line as Aerith saying, this man are sick. <laughs> yeah, no, they took that out. <laughs> oh, damn. This guy are sick. By the way, I just said Aerith, but I always, always call it Ares. Ares. Um, oh, really? 
yeah, I've always known it as Ares. Like, um, I don't know if you, like, I don't know if they changed the name in later releases of the original game, but she was always Ares to me, but it was a mistranslation again, wasn't it, of the original Japanese name? It was. I think when I first played the game, I called her Ares as well, because I didn't know any different. But Mm -hmm. since I found out that what her name is meant to be, I've always, I've always called her Ares. I didn't comment before when you said about Wall Market, but that was one of my favourite areas of the game, mainly because it did feel like there was more options to do and more to see. Like it actually felt like a place to explore mm-hmm. rather than just a place to walk through. Like there's you so can, many like you can interesting get lost in Wall Market, can't you? You can, and there's so many like interesting NPC little conversations that you can listen in on. Like yeah. I realise if you walk down one of the alleys, there's two women standing outside a shop criticizing women as they walk by and if you walk by them with Aerith dressed up they'll be really bitchy about her I mean if you walk really? past them again dressed as Cloud they're like oh my god that's the beautiful woman and like just little <laughs> things like that like it's just stuff to see that makes it feel more like a real world but and if you didn't walk around and look you wouldn't see it and that just mm-hmm. made it feel like a much better area than some of the other ones I thought you didn't like the whole uh talking in the background thing I don't. <laughs> I think I do wish that on at least on top of that, there was the option to actually go and have a conversation with someone and interact mm-hmm. with them because you never get to interact with these people. Or most of the time you don't. You just get to listen to them talking to other people. And it'd be nice to actually have like Cloud interact with them sometimes. Mm-hmm. But little things like that just make it just feel a bit more, you know, have variety when you walk around at different bits of the game. Put it that way. Yeah. And what about summons? Oh, I really like the summon system, actually. I'm a big yeah. fan of the summon system. Yeah. I think them fighting for a while and then doing their limit break, but not in a way that feels really interfering. It's not like 10 where it completely takes over. They're just in the background. And yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. And I like how you actually got them in this game at this point, because in the original game, you don't get them until you leave Midgar and you, you get your first one on Chocobo Farm, which is a good 20 hours into the game. I... I both liked and disliked that. I mean, that that more plays into my issue where they've set it up that so much happens in the first game, like you already have your third level spells, you already have Bahamut if you want to, before even mm-hmm. leaving Midgar. And it's like, where's what's left for progression now if you've already got mm-hmm. all of that stuff? And I don't want it to be that the second game puts you back to like level one again, because otherwise it feels like this game was pointless. Well, that's going like, to be an interesting be- challenge, isn't it? Because like, I, I don't really understand how you'd be able to continue your saved game if it's moved systems. Like, if you've played it on PS4, now it's on, the second part's going to be on PS5. Will that still work? Like, yeah. It's going to be a big game. It's going to be spread over multiple systems in the end. That's the thing. But at the same time, like if they solve that by resetting your data every time you play a new part of the game, that's going to feel really unsatisfying. Yeah. Like it won't feel like it's my game anymore if I'm reset back to low, like a set level. Yeah. Maybe they'll do it a bit like um, I remember there's, there's some games that you uh, you can load the old save and it will sort of use the data from your old save to determine where you start in the new game. Maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned, put it that way. It would feel very odd if like you had all these characters who are level 50, could use level three spells, and then at the second game they went, so you can use fire and your level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, these aren't my fucking characters, so no. You've got fire and you've got frog. Yeah. No, you toad, use- toad. It's toad, isn't it? <laughs> it is. But that just plays into my whole thing of 
I'm I'm wary of what they can now do with the second game. Same as like, is there going to be an open world map? Stuff like that. I don't see it being open world like in the original game. I just with the design that they've done for this these characters and stuff, I just don't see it. Um, I'd like it maybe if they had a bit of a kind of intermediate one. Like it wasn't just like you left a town, there was a cutscene, then there's another town. At least if there's a little bit of a stretch that you walk through, even if it's actually just a linear pathway disguised to look a bit open world with some monsters mm-hmm. in, that would still just about tick that box for me. I need something in between the towns, basically. Yeah, I mean, we have seen uh, these two methods used in different Final Fantasy games that are more modern. Like, obviously, in Final Fantasy X, we had the system where you just sort of progressed through. Where if you need to make a big change, it will do it on the map for you. Do you know what I mean? Like, it will show you on the map traveling, and you won't actually do yeah. it. That's what I kind of picture this game being like, where maybe like, say if when you're moving between, say, Midgar and Calm, there's the equivalent of something like the Meehan High Road section, where it looks like you're outside traveling between two towns, but it's actually just another linear segment, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But they could have got on the other route, like Final Fantasy XV, where it is kind of an open world. I'd be surprised. I'd be very, I'd be happy, but I'd be surprised. Yeah. I think the same, to be honest. Um, I, I hope it's going to be like a Final Fantasy XV kind of situation where you can drive between things, but I don't think that'll be the case. I think it will be, like you said, um, linear corridors that you can travel down. But I do hope that we get some exploration in them. It's not just a completely linear corridor. Um, if there are several side paths that led to new locations, that would be great. I, I just want to feel like I'm traveling somewhere. You know, I don't want to skip to it like in Final Fantasy X did sometimes. I just want, I want to actually have the journey with the characters. Yeah, and that was such a big bit the last game. Was you were slowly traveling and like finding things out during the travel, more so yeah. than when you actually arrived at locations a lot of the time. And I, I think it will, I wouldn't say ruin the game, that's a bit extreme, but it would take away from the game as all you did was bounce between cities almost watching mm-hmm. cutscenes. I don't want to watch a Final Fantasy VII movie. I want to play a Final Fantasy VII game. And speaking of cities, which, uh, which are you most looking forward to seeing in the updated graphics? I want to see Cloud ride a dolphin up to the top <laughs> of the city. That's the bit I'm most excited for. And if they cut that out, then I'm going to write a strongly worded letter to Square Enix because that's <laughs> travesty. Maybe they'll um, replace so- it with like a dolphin, dolphin lift or something. It looks like a dolphin, but it's a lift. Dolphin lift. <laughs> no, it has to be an actual dolphin, Steve. I won't accept <laughs> anything else. In terms of cities I most want to see, um, that's a good question, actually. Nibbleheim, I do want to see, just for, like, nostalgia. Dune on with the massive cannon. Quite curious to see that. Yeah, with the parade there and stuff. Yeah, there's so many, and all of it's so nostalgic. I'm quite curious to see what they do or if they even include it where you get to go to Zach's hometown in this. Because in the original you did and like you run into Zach's parents and Cloud has like a, well, he doesn't, you, there's oh, no yeah. possibility to go back later in the game and tell them he's dead once your party realise. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious if that's going to somehow play into it now. That I'd like to see. Uh, for me, I'm interested in seeing uh, two major cities, uh, well, towns, I guess, Cosmo Canyon I'll just see how they render that in modern graphics. And uh, also Bugenhagen and how they how they show him because he's basically just a floating circular blob in the original game with no legs. Yeah, um, I must I always thought that that like green orb underneath him was part of his body. But other people I've heard that they say he's on like a cushion. 
but I thought he just had no legs. But I think me I too. I thought he was just like um, like, I don't know what you call them, but those like punch things that are on a like a clown that you punch and it bounces back at you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he's the human version of one of those, whatever they're called, <laughs> punch clowns. Uh, and Rocket Town too is that what it's called? Sid's hometown. I want to. I really want to see that. I think Rocket Town. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, right. Rocket Town. Yeah. And Sid overall, I'm looking forward to seeing Sid. I like Sid. I did like Sid. He's another one that I didn't like so much when I was a kid, but he's grown on me since. Mm -hmm. So but uh, I think surely what you're most looking forward to, Steve, is seeing your favourite character, Vincent, because I know well, how much you love him. When I was really young, I was a goth. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, because of that, I had I was drawn like a magnet to uh, anything sort of... Uh, otherworldly or vampiric or esoteric and oh my god Vincent Valentine fit edgy 14 year old Steve's perception of what a cool guy is completely and uh, <laughs> I I loved him I read Vincent fan fictions I uh, looked at fan art all day of him and I always had him in my party and at that point I knew his entire like biography inside out like anyone asked me, like, say, hi, Stephen, how are you? Like, okay, Vincent is a Turk. He lives in a coffin. <laughs> Doesn't matter who it was. My doctor, my dentist, anybody. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I uh, I am not looking forward to it because I have long outgrown that man. <laughs> no, uh, I just, I don't find him very appealing anymore. I think he's a little bit cliche. You know, he literally sleeps in a coffin in the basement of a giant mansion. <laughs> like... <laughs> I hope they sort of kind of likes that. I think it's kind of campy and fun, but also I kind of want to see him a bit more realistic. I'm kind of torn between that. Yeah, I must admit, I really liked him as well. I wasn't as obsessed as you, but <laughs> I did like him. I think it was more that he was a, like a secret character and 12-year-old me was like, ooh, secret. Look what I've achieved. I really liked him, but looking like when I play now, I I never include him in my party. I think his limit breaks are basically worthless. And yeah, he's just cringy now looking back. Why is he in that coffin? <laughs> like when you go to recruit and he's like, I couldn't possibly leave. I must stay here in a tone. I'm like, oh, I fucking stay in there then. I'll just, just go. <laughs> I'll leave you. I uh, I've completely forgotten his story. Um, you know, the you can go to the waterfall later, can't you, in the cave and you see his Lucretia, his uh, his wife. Um, She's not his wife. She was the one who slept with Hojo. Oh, right. I, okay. What <laughs> See, happened to you telling the dentist the stories, Steve? <laughs> Put yourself together, man. You call yourself a fan. Um, and I played the Gisopurus when it first came out, but I couldn't remember a single thing about it other than my favourite Ketchief was in there. <laughs> yeah, not looking forward to seeing him, but I'm sure they'll, I'm sure they'll make him appealing i mean they tried to they kind of retconned him a little bit in dojo cerberus they made him a bit more they've been a bit cooler but ultimately he's still a creepy goth vampire man who lives in a basement in a coffin <laughs> yeah there's only so much retconning you can do to make that good yeah i know i'm just off breaking him down to his uh, most basic parts but that's what he is <laughs> yeah. i can't really judge my favorite final fantasy character for pretty much my whole life was squall who has the personality of a paving slab. <laughs> so. Off topic a little, I do, the characters that I let when I was younger have changed a lot in every game so as I've got older. Like, yeah. I used to be, uh, so I just said seven, I loved um, Vincent, I liked Yuffie as well. Uh, I and then eight, 
I really like selfie. And now I'm like, selfie? Why don't you use selfie? Like, yeah, I must admit, I always used to really like the kind of the e- the really, really emo characters or the really over the top happy. So I like mm-hmm. Zell. I like selfie. I quite liked Vincent too and Squall because again, they, they ticked my moody teenage angst stage. I always uh, hated Quistus again. Me, me too. Well. Me too. I don't think anyone realized this is totally off topic, by the way, but you know when like Quistus <laughs> fucks up the entire mission? Do you remember like when they're going to uh, assassinate uh, Idea? Oh, yeah. She's like, she's I like, want to go and apologize. I got to apologize. Like, no, this is not the time. I mean, the <laughs> two characters telling mission. her not to do it as Zell and Selfie. <laughs> like, you know, you fucked up when they're the two telling you not to do it. <laughs> it's like, why did you anyway, pick anyway. this extreme mission that was timed down to the T to uh, to apologize? And she's like, oh, but I've hurt someone's feelings. Like, that's your fault for being such a bitch, Quistus. Yeah. Do you miss In my feelings right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go in the sewers. Stop it. <laughs> Okay, back to Final Fantasy VII. Yes, um, well. So how do you feel like Remake treats women, specifically like comparing it to the the old game? How do you think people like Tifa and Ares and anyone else you can think of are portrayed in this game? Oh, much, much better than the original. The original really shows its age now in terms of sexism and homophobia just riddled throughout the game. It still has the occasional moment that's a little bit kind of lecherous towards the female character, but often those characters have been called out for it, so it's it doesn't really bother me that much. At no point in the remake did I see a scene and think, ooh, you know, this is out of place or uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I think overall they treated their female characters quite strong and independent without being too on the nose with it, whereas some some games and some films and things, if they're meant to have like a kind of strong, independent woman, they really try and draw attention to it to show off the fact they're doing it. This game just treats their characters well. I just let the game roll with it. So mm-hmm. no, I actually thought they handled it really well. Yeah, and I, like I, even I like Tifa, like the original design in Final Fantasy VII. They made such a big deal out of her meant to be like a kind of like sexy character to see in the remake. I felt she looked more sporty more than anything else, and I really like her redesign. Yeah, they're much more athletic looking, didn't they? But yeah, I, I would agree with that. I do think that they treat them much better. Like I said, there are some moments I thought when it was a little bit on the edge, but I mean, it's nothing like Persona 5 in the way that does things with Arn all the time. Yeah. LGBT, I can't really think of. Are there any gay characters in this game? Um, I think Andrea's meant to be. Oh, of course. That's a big one. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good portrayal, actually. I was um I love that they put that in. He's clearly a queer person. We don't really know if he's um gay or bi or whatever, but he's definitely queer. And he um he has uh he mentions about gender being fluid and it's just a much more modern uh take on the whole uh, cloud wearing um, a dress thing than in the uh, the original game, which treat it more as a joke. Yeah. Um, the graphics and the music, then we'll touch on those briefly. So, personally, I think the graphics are incredible, and they're even better on the PS5 version. I've I've been told I haven't played it myself. When I actually heard there was going to be an upgrade on the PS5 to a better graphics, I was like, how can you possibly make them any better? They're fantastic, but they did. It is. It's a gorgeous game. All the character models, especially like up close, they look great. Like you see, like little freckles and little pores on people. At certain bits of the game, like people get dirt and things on their clothes. Yeah, it's just a beautiful game, mm-hmm. and it and it does just a good enough mix of 
you go in areas and you can recognize them from the original game. Like there's certain bits that are nostalgic enough to be like, okay, this is this is that place. But then places like Aerith's house, like you can tell where it's meant to be, but it's so beautiful. Yeah, Aerith's house is uh, one of my favorite locations in the game, but it's very out of place. Like everyone lives in a tiny hut and she's there with this massive patch of land. And that garden is so nice with the oh, waterfall. You walk from one area where everyone's living in like sheds made from bits of old tin and you walk one screen right and she lives in this like beautiful waterfall flower heaven. Yeah, it's like, why do you have so much land? Like no one's got land down here and you've got like an entire like botanic garden. Exactly. Everyone else is literally <laughs> living on top of each other. Why do you guys have this? You sell flowers. And yet she's not rich. She's just a, a, a flower girl. She sells like one flower. She doesn't sell bunch. She sells one flower at a time. Yeah, and she gave Clouds one to free because she was flirting with him. Probably yeah. only customer that day. <laughs> but it is a really nice area, though. And you do get a little bit of story if you walk around it with her. She says things about the area. It's nice. Yeah, it is gorgeous. The whole game looks amazing, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Like when you're climbing up to the plate, um, when it's been destroyed and there's all those scenes of it, all being ruined and there's like the and I think it must be like a painted background of like the destroyed city where the plate's fallen mm-hmm. and like the, the higher you climb it's like different views of like the burning city it looks so good yeah and it's like sunset or, or sunrise some two isn't it and the sun's coming through and it's just really gorgeous everything about it yeah it looks stunning and it looks even better in a ps5 which I haven't actually tried yet I saw that they used that scene as an example of how the graphics look even better on ps5 mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the graphics overhaul is incredible. I mean, it's very hard to be worse than the original Final Fantasy VII game in terms of graphics. <laughs> if they um, made it worse, I would have had so many questions. Yeah, it, it, it's fantastic. And I, I often listen to the remake album on Spotify when I'm working. Um, and the original one. I like the original one, too. Um, I like how they've, uh, for some songs, they've sort of kept the spirit of the original, but they've... They've sort of uh, they've changed it to make it different from the original too, to to differentiate it from the original uh, track. Mm. So I'm going to say that you are a fan of this game. Would I be correct? I am a fan of this game. <laughs> what would you uh, what would you give it out of a hundred? A hundred percent being the absolute perfect pinnacle of a game, and um, zero being um, snakes and ladders. I'd like Snakes and Ladders. Shut up, Steve. That's a good game. Classic. <laughs> I, oh, well, it's no Snakes and Ladders. But it's it's up there as being like one of the better games to come out of the last decade, I'd say. Oh, wow. And I think I discussed this with you before where I was trying to decide, would I like this game as much if I hadn't played the original Final Fantasy VII first, like originally? Because I do feel like a lot of this game is made a lot better by the nostalgia that goes with it. Like if I walked into say, oh, I don't know, Aerith's house, having never played the original Final Fantasy VII, I'd be like, oh, you know, this is pretty. But mm-hmm. now playing it, I'm like, oh my God, it's like, it's so similar to the original game. It's got the different levels, just like the original game did. Like it's, you know, it's it's so similar, but so much better. And there's so many scenes in the game like that, where I feel like, it does rely heavily on the original to make it as good as it is. I think, I mean, it does work as a standalone, but I think I'd have to give it two different ratings based on it itself as a game and it as a remake. As right. a remake, I think it's a solid 
nine and a half, I'd say. I definitely prefer the first half of Remake to the second half. There's been a couple of times I've replayed it and I've stopped playing once you get to the Shinra building because I just find that that section really drags for me and there's not that much exploration. I feel like it's very linear and dark and mm-hmm. very padded. But overall, I think I think it's such a good game and they could have done a really potentially done a really bad job remaking this game and pretty much insulting fans in one way or another. But mm-hmm. I think they ended up pretty much pleasing everyone with this. The characters are done great. All the locations are beautiful. They've elaborated on various bits of the story that really could have done with it, and they've done it well. And, yeah, I'm very curious what they're going to do with it next. And a bit scary yeah. what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a fantastic game. Um, I was really impressed with it. I had kind of low expectations for the once I'd heard the battle system was changing completely uh, to a, sort of an, an active system. I was on the fence, but um, I, as soon as I played it, I you know I recognized locations even though they were totally redone in this game. Um, they, they've really kept. Uh, the spirit of the original game in this remake, and I'm, I'm really appreciative they've done that. And I, I think I would also give it a nine out of ten. There are, I do have some issues with it. We talked about those already, and you have your issues too. But um, it really was an enjoyable game. However, I wouldn't say that it's one of the best games of the decade. Uh, personally, for me, that accolade for best RPG of the decade will go to Persona Five Royal. Okay, yeah, no, I do agree. It's not the best <laughs> game. I think it's one of the best games. I agree. Okay. Persona Five Royal. I agree completely. Outranks FF Seven. I mean, if we're going to do a list of like the top ten games of the decade, it would be in there. But I don't know what number. Maybe eight. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to do a bit of calculating, but it would definitely be in top ten for me. I'd say. Maybe we could do an episode on our top ten games of the decade. Let's do it. And if, <laughs> if you don't rank it eight now, I'm going to be very upset. Uh. So um, we should get a, a, like a rating system, like out of 10, that's so boring. Why not like how many puffy rah-rahs out of t- <laughs> would you give it? Ah, uh, yeah, references that four people in the world get, <laughs> two of them are me and you. How many materials would you give it? I would give it, oh God, what is this system? Nine materials out of 10? That's still nine no, out of 10. I you, say, nine materials out of 10. <laughs> Okay, I think we have a new system every episode and we'll, we'll choose it based on that game. That sounds okay, fun. Okay, then let's yeah. do that then. I give it nine materials out of ten. There you go. Okay, I give it nine materials out of ten too. Ten, comma, two, not ten, two. <laughs> <laughs> not that Final Fantasy. That's um, a very different Final Fantasy. <laughs> and a very different yeah, score. It's a singer, yeah, very different. <laughs> So our next episode, we're going to be compiling our top 10 RPGs of all time and comparing. I think a lot of these will probably be relatively similar, but probably not in the same order. So this could be quite interesting. Yeah, I'm wondering how different our list will be. I'm not sure they will be similar. You know, I think it will be very different, but we'll see. There's um, definitely a couple of games that we've both played that the other hasn't, that we've been trying to convince the other people to play. That's mostly on my side, isn't it? Mine's just going to be Final Fantasy eight ten times. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, mine's going to be just like Sailor Moon RPG ten times. <laughs> okay, so thank you for listening. Uh, please subscribe to our Twitter at Murph and Magic, 
and um, we'll be back in a fortnight with another episode so thank you very much and goodbye bye